You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Steamheart. Chapter 16. Devastation. Communiques of April 27th, 1883, from Langley to Columbus Outpost. Author, Truth Arlington. Message 2. This was a public assassination. Stop. We are bringing matters under control back here. Stop. Message 3. Oakley. Stop. The mission must continue. Stop. It is what they would have wanted. Stop. Please break the news to Harry. Gently. Stop. Message 4. Harry. Stop. I am so sorry. Stop. I wish I could be there with you right now. Stop. If you want to come home, you may. Stop. Harry Arlington, Vox Tube HA6, Columbus Outpost, April 28th, 1883. No. I, I... I don't. There... Abigail. Harry did not speak to anyone the day after we arrived. She took herself off inside Steamheart. Major Butler stayed close by, but didn't press her into speaking. She lay in a hammock, or on her side, on one of the pull-out couches. Her eyes were unfocused, her breathing very slow. All around her was kept quiet. So we waited. And waited. More days elapsed. The mushroom adventure by the lake had shaken me, but what I took away was different to what James had. While we both felt conversely more trapped by our freeing experience, I was left with a, a clarity of thought, the memory of the togetherness I felt, not just with those around me, but with everyone and everything. There was only one moment in my life that was more powerful and that had been the night when James and I encountered the orb. But seeing Harry hit by this terrible news had washed away the well-being. All I felt was sympathy. I wanted to cradle her in my arms and tell her things would be all right. And I realized after a time that I wanted someone to do the same for me. I'd only known the Arlingtons a short while, but they had been charismatic and vital people. Absolutely essential to the plan for America. Without them, was there even a plan anymore? Who was given the orders from above now? Truth? This made me deeply uneasy. What were we even doing out here?
Annie. Our foundations have been hit with indescribable force. The expressions of my teammates are riven with confusion, fear, anger, sorrow, and despair. But to allow my poker face to crack and match theirs is an indulgence we can ill afford. I must show just a little of this. An iceberg tip to reassure them that I am not made of stone. But that what they're feeling can be managed within themselves. It is a punishing ordeal. And I'm beginning to doubt my ability to keep them moving. We have now been at the Columbus encampment for four days. Harry has barely eaten and spends more and more of her time in a trance. My attempts to get her to open up to me in private or to voice her thoughts into a vox tube have failed. If we were on an ocean-faring ship, this would be the point where we find ourselves run aground or trapped in ice. If Harry cannot drive us, then we can neither go forward nor back. The prospect of abandoning the steam craft and making the 400-mile journey on horseback leaving us exposed night and day is a serious cause for concern. We shall need a military escort at the very least if that is our eventual move. My darling butler has been learning the technical process of operating the machine as we go and believes he can take the wheel. However, he has so far declined to attempt this in case it upsets her further. We shall take our time, I tell myself. There is no point pushing forward if this breaks us. We must heal. Butler. After a week of no progress, either geographical or otherwise, the team was growing restless. That afternoon, I asked Harry if it would be acceptable for me to at least attempt to drive us. She gave a barely perceptible nod, so we packed up our things, loaded into Steamheart, and departed eastwards that morning, crossing the great expanse of overgrown fields towards Indiana. Driving the road was far easier than the tight, evasive maneuvers I'd been practicing, and provided we kept our journey short and stable, I was able to hold it together keeping Annie as the liaison with Harry in case unexpected engine noises should occur. But our plan was solid, the machinery never became overworked, 
and mercifully we began to clear space as my anxiety at holding the whole mission on the turn of a lever began to subside. I'd lost two people I'd consider great friends. The best bosses I'd ever had. And worse, I could feel the loss in everyone around me. All of us could. In a way, that made things both better and worse. We shared the grief, but giving comfort to one another was harder because it was hurting us as individuals, too. On the fourth day of our journey, I deliberately drove us north. Annie said nothing, but as we pitched up in Dark County, she quietly scolded me for taking trips of personal interest on company time. The area was deserted, and as we rolled on through the woodland, I could see my wife becoming more and more melancholy as the places of her childhood slid past us, overgrown, abandoned, dilapidated. Can we go back to the main road? Aren't we only a few miles from your family home? I figured we could either see who's living there now, or maybe stay the night within the walls. Might not get another chance on this trip. No. I... I don't want to see that place again. I... I have it up here. And in here. That's all I need. I drew us to a halt and turned to her, then placed a hand upon her knee. She controlled her tears and smiled. Back to the road it is. Abigail. The ones on the blaze say might have come up is tyranny. Whoever made the sword did. You see, I don't whoever carved these don't leaves hear this sword was talking absolute bollocks. Oh! I awoke in the middle of the night, with a bright starburst expanding off to my left. As he'd instructed, well, begged me to, I shook Jeremy awake and described in hushed tones what was going on in my head. We stood outside in the chilly night air, and he switched on one of Steamheart's lamps to write his notes by. Okay, so how many is that now? The green one. Over there. I flipped my eye patch up and pointed. I think... That's England. And then the other yellow one down there. Egypt. And the same color as... The southern door. Brighter tonight? Oh, yeah, but there's an echo behind it. Or in front. A what? An echo. Like a flicker. I thought it was just the southern door for the longest time. I don't think it is now. I think it's a separate wind door. It's purple. Oh, man. And that's where? I pointed and he checked his map. Looks like it might be Arkansas. Maybe somewhere in Tennessee. Every so often, I'll catch another purple one to the east. In West Virginia. Why didn't you say that back in Washington? We could have followed that one first. Because I couldn't properly see it at the time. I always thought it was one of the others when I was east of it. This one feels like it might even come and go. Like Brigadoon? Like what? 
a mythical Scottish village that disappeared in 1754. Apparently time stands still there and it's invisible most of the year. Donald told me about it. Yeah, maybe. I was, admittedly, uneasy with the idea that these wind doors might be popping in and out of existence. Or that time might not affect them. None of these have been absolutely, definitely always there in my vision. There is the yellow one in the far north that Wilson's on the way to. And that just leaves the pale green one in Missouri. I pointed down the road. Again, getting brighter all the time. So, seven. Canada, London, Egypt, Mississippi, Missouri, West Virginia maybe, Arkansas maybe. Is it eight with the starburst in England? No. My eyes narrowed as I looked east. That wasn't a wind door. In fact, I think I was dreaming about whatever that was. What can you remember? A blonde girl. She was upset. What about? I couldn't tell, but she picked up a sword. Like a saber? No, like a, a King Arthur kind of sword. Oh, that's fascinating. Do you have any idea what's going on in England? At my question, he paused and chewed on the end of his pen. All right, that's a yes. I'm not allowed to talk about it. And I really, really want to. You have no idea. Does what I dreamed have any kind of bearing on what you know? Uh, that depends. Were there other things around this girl? He belabored these ellipses for effect, emphasizing what he could not say. I closed my eyes and thought back, but the specifics had danced away into the attic of my brain. Oh, I remember one person was there that I recognized. It was M. From the Mushroom Visions. I'm sure it was her. Does that mean she's real? We have to figure her as potentially real until proven otherwise. You really aren't going to tell me what's going on over there, are you? I was sworn to secrecy on certain things. At least tell James if the people of his homeland survived the plague. At this, Pines fidgeted and floundered. If I tell him even a little, he'll want to go there. I want to go there. I'm going to tell him. Abigail, please trust me on this. Thomas and Sarah did have a plan. I believe we can follow it when we get back to Washington, when we investigate that part of the world, and you and James will be on the team. But right now, we don't have anything proven and concrete enough to make it our priority. We just have to get this one done. I shivered in the cold. <sighs> Alright, let me go back to sleep. I might catch some more detail for your classified eyes-only files. But I didn't sleep. I found myself too excited at the idea of what might be beyond the sea. Listening to episode 16 of Steamheart Devastation, written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Annie Oakley and Harriet Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. 
Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. Jeremy Pines, performed by Matt Wardle. Truth Arlington and Sword Maiden, performed by Theo Lee. Sage, performed by Maureen Foley. Where the West Begins, composed by Ferenc Hegedus of Shockwave Sound. Arrival by I. Sazanoff, also of Shockwave Sound. Martian Cowboy, Ever Mindful, Frozen Star, Angevin, and Ossuary, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Before the Storm by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you to Joel Robinson, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Benjamin Biddle, Joseph Gluck, Kevin Otero, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Lush, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Datchler, and Lorraine Chisholm. small settlement that Steamheart drove past during this episode was badly in need of a sheriff. They missed that fact, and two people died who could have been saved. It is perhaps better on reflection that Team Steam did not know this. <laughs>